Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Uh, welcome to the uh, Nugent uh, Capital Podcast, which we're in the process. I think we're going to do some work on rebranding it today. When I say we, I mean my partner. You know, I'm the talent, right? So I'm not. I'm a digital tourist at best. I'm not handy offline or online. You know, it's amazing. When they handed out talents, I must have been in the bathroom or something. So, anyway, but I I did get a bit of the gift of gab, so, you know, I'm the talent. Uh, Let me put my phone on Do Not Disturb, lest we have another example of the dreaded podcastus interruptus. So, uh, today's Tribune reading day, when... I read the trip so you don't have to. And today was a pretty good issue, actually. Um, so, or addition, I guess you would call it. So, uh, meanwhile, though, you know, I'm an idea guy, right? Not so much an execution guy, but an idea guy. I mean, nothing, nothing delights me more than getting a good idea, regardless of whether it has any practical application. So I guess, or regardless of whether I'm ever going to be able to use it or get around to it. But uh, I had uh, an idea yesterday, for example. Uh, And today's kind of a dog issue, dog episode, because I was feeding my dog, Louie, who's a Maltese. Do Do not get one. If you're fortunate enough not to have pets, thank your lucky stars, but if you... Decide to get a pet and decide on a dog. Don't get a Maltese. They're like very cute rattlesnakes. Uh, but I'm feeding Louie, and it occurred to me that I have the makings of a very good dog food commercial, or really any any food. You know, there's that old song, Summertime, Summertime, Some, Some, Summertime. So you just change the lyrics to supper time, supper time, sup, sup, supper time, supper time, supper time. You know, and that's the kind of thing. I wanted to be a copywriter for an ad agency when I was a kid, and they had the good sense not to hire me. But, you know, uh, you come up with an idea like that, and you're like, man, can't I make some money on this? And the answer is no. I mean, unless you happen to work for the agency that has the account, you know, and unless your creative director approves it, and even then you just get paid the salary. So, you know, anyway, so I just put it out here for posterity's sake. Um, but it's, I still get a kick out of it. Then I had another idea, which probably isn't going to happen, that, you know, this whole BLM thing, uh, that uh, a, a fatality, uh, you know, where it's a police-inflicted fatality, and a person of color is kind of got to become a never event. I think if we just all agreed on that, that would get us further along on the uh, on the peace and justice plane. I mean, nobody wants that to happen, right? Especially not the cop who does it. And uh, so the thought occurred to me that, unbeknownst to the cops, they should just load their guns with blanks. And, of course, that would have to be unbeknownst to criminals, too. You know, most cops never shoot their gun anyway. And if you're a criminal and you don't know it's they're shooting blanks, you know, you're still going to respect the uh, the gun. 
So you get to see what happens, you know. Now, if I was a cop, I wouldn't like that, but, you know. And it wouldn't remain a secret for long, obviously. So then I'm watching High Sierra today on TCM, and uh, it's the dog that's the culprit. (laughs) The dog is the one that gets bogey killed. Throughout the... Throughout the film, there's this dog, and, it, you know, they keep trying to get rid of the dog, but the dog won't be gotten rid of. And it's like Louie, you know. I mean, if you start to leave, he will start biting you, and, you know. We had a guy fall down the stairs because Louie didn't like that he was leaving, and, you know, he tripped the guy up, and the guy falls down the stairs. I thought he was going to be paralyzed. It wasn't funny for him. Uh so you could have a TV series called that effing dog. This is another idea, you know, and the whole thing would be a dog that just constantly causes its owner trouble, and I could actually write that as a reality show. Uh, then I have another little joke here I'm going to skip. Uh, but the other thing about High Sierra is, you know, Bogey's got this, like, I think they used to call it white sidewalls haircuts, like Himmler, you know, if you see the old Nazi, uh, the Hitler uh, industry on TV is huge because people love watching Hitler, you know. Even though they hate it or hate him, there's some bizarre fascination that keeps the cable industry afloat because it's all the same cheap footage, you know. It's all public domain. You don't have to pay anybody. And uh, Himmler, so Heinrich Himmler was the head of the SS, for those of you who aren't up on your Nazi... uh, lore and he had this haircut where it looked like somebody i'm sure somebody did just take a razor you know and clip all the hair off the side of his head like like three or four inches above the ears and and bogey had a himmler haircut in high sierra which i think was actually filmed uh, prior to world war ii they have to fact check me on that but anyway um that's just random musing. So now let's get to the business of hand, which is the Tribune. So on uh, the real estate section, I found the uh, the place we've been looking for. You know, we're trying to sell the house and move, and my wife wants some place with no stairs. Got to be in the lake, and uh, got to have a lot of square feet. God knows why. There's only two of us, so there's a. Uh, supposedly the best uh, penthouse in Chicago, uh, which has been on sale, and it's huge. I mean, I can't find the page of the article. It's huge. It's got like a 2,000-foot, it's two floors, 2,000-foot, uh, like, garden. It's it's like on, uh, it's on uh, Lakeshore Drive right by North Avenue. Everything's right. You know, except for the price, it's $17 million. So that's the only thing separating me from, you know, happy wife, happy life type of situation. So, you know, if anybody's got any ideas about how I could get $17 million cash, let me know. Uh, So here's an article. These are in no particular order because I didn't get them organized. Big tech, Biden, not good. Tech lash is in full force. Uh, There's a lot of these articles about Biden. Biden's going to have trouble if the Democrats don't sweep Georgia. 
and uh, they've got two flawed candidates down there with financial scandals. And we'll see what happens. But um, I think it's a tough lift to win both of them. But Biden's talking about breaking up big tech, which is okay from a shareholder perspective because it's probably the sum of the parts is probably worth more than the whole. It's kind of like when they broke up Standard Oil and split it into seven companies and it made John D. Rockefeller richer than ever. So that would actually be, you know, a buying opportunity if they start to tank because of the regulatory antitrust threat. Uh, he also wants to crimp their Section 230 exemption. Section 230 of 1996 telecom law that enables social media companies to, quote, abdicate their responsibility to impartially moderate content. And, you know, moderation is the key word there. You know, if you can't do that with an algorithm, then you got to have somebody read everything before it goes out. And, you know, you might declare people to be safe posters. They mainly rely on, you know, people to, Narca, <laughs> report abuse of content. So, you know, I, there's First Amendment issues there, particularly with political speech. And the platforms themselves could just ban anything political, but then they'd lose the eyeball. Anyway, that's it's uh, Biden is no friend of tech, and he is particularly uh, down on Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. You know, the guy everybody loves to hate. And uh, antitrust enforcement against Google. So they might end up getting broken up. And there, there's some stuff about the way Google does business that, you know, they kind of front run their own uh, AdWords and put their own stuff in front of everybody else's, which I think is probably a little bit abusive. So... Yeah, Biden could be the first Democrat in modern history to take office without his party controlling Congress. We'll see what happens in Georgia. Possibly more vigorous antitrust enforcement. And he here's a guy who, Jerry Ellig, a former government official and professor at GW uh, Regulatory Studies Center, that's George Washington U, fine Jesuit institution. He says that Republicans have the edge in a very closely divided Congress because they tend to hang together as opposed to separately. And he expects them to take the side of tech against the Democrats, which is perhaps simply you know, reflexive opposition to the Democrats, which is the, you know, really the strength of Republicans is not so much in governing, it's in being the opposition. Because it's a conservative mentality, and it's tough to hang with a conservative mentality when you when you have the executive branch, <clears throat> which is generally activist, you know, by, by nature. So I kind of like it when Republicans are actually in the, they're not in the White House. I like the opposition uh, casting there. And Democrats, while Republicans will be unified in opt opposition and galvanized by that as they were during the Obama administration, Democrats will be divided 
because the progressives will want to go way farther than the moderates. So, you know, divide and rule, I would expect that to pan out, actually. The tech industry is in trouble if the Republicans like Cruz decide to join in with the Democrats, you know, and just throw, throw them under the bus. Biden says that Section 230 should immediately be revoked. Well, we'll see what happens. Easy to say if you can't do it, you know. Quick action may be difficult given the congressional landscape. Uh, here's, a, here's a clever fellow, this Ellie guy. He says, if, a con- if consensus legislation emerges, they'll make it vague enough so everyone can claim victory. And that, my friends is how the sausage gets made, to quote Bismarck. So, that's the end of that. I may hang on to that. I may be able to use that in my opus about a new administration, a new challenge. Uh, eviction. They can't kick you out of your apartment right now if... You make under a hundred grand, so a lot of guys will be, you know, minimizing their income so they can stiff the landlord for a while. Which is, and they have to give you a hundred twenty day notice if you've lived in the place for more than three years. You know, so what's that? Thirty, sixty, ninety, and four months. So you can rope it out, people on the rent, which is one reason why real estate investing, commercial real estate, quote-unquote, multi-unit rentals, we pulled out of a deal for a building because how am I going to collect the rent? You know, if I can't collect the rent, what happens to me? Nothing good, because I'm sure the bank, you know, you end up getting foreclosed. So that was the end of that. And plus, you know, we refined this building. One of the big selling points was that it was in the uh, middle of, like, you know, Abbott and downtown. And they were putting a metro station in, which may still be underway. I don't know. So theoretically, people who work up in North Chicago or wherever, parts north or on that northwestern line, could pick up the train get up there without driving, and that would be a beautiful thing. And people who work downtown could do the same thing. So this was perfect. It's like West Rogers Park, right over by Misericordia. And you had some demand over there from the people who work at Misericordia. Well, you know, with COVID, all all bets are off on that, people working from home. So, you know, that's a big, big, big unknown whether or not things are going to get back to normal. And uh, I've got another stat on that coming up here as soon as it comes up on my tear sheets. So I read all this stuff, like Parade is worth reading, and there's a quote in there by Glenn Close. You know, there's a, a piece on Glenn Close, and the only reason I read that is sometimes that you have some good quotes in there. And uh, Glenn says that she has been uh, nominated seven times for the Oscars without winning once. And she says, no, I don't do it to get an award. You have to find joy in what you do. And that's true, you know. 
And there's certain things that are easy for me to find joy in, like, you know, coming up with these bright ideas like blanks and the cuts. You know, thank God, never, nobody's going to take that seriously. I propose that somewhat seriously, though. And, uh, you know, my dog food jingle, uh, supper time, supper time. I take joy in uh, discovering those ideas. I don't take joy in stuff like learning a new software program, you know, or, you know, uh, looking up a thousand LinkedIn profiles. Now, some people do, but I'm just not one of them. You know, iterative, uh, you know, bricks and mortar types of jobs don't, I don't, uh, I don't find joy in those. So I don't do them well. So you have to find your passion, you know, find your joy, whatever. Uh, here's Ask Marilyn. I always like not to be the smartest person in the room. And, you know, when I read the Tribune, that's easy because I'm in the company of very smart people when I read what they wrote, like Marilyn Boss Savant, which is a great name if you're bright. I don't know if that's a real name or not, but she's like a Mensa member and she's got a... 30-year-old profile picture, so she's, you know, beauty and brains, uh, as we used to say, when before you'd get canceled for saying that. Um, so the question posed to her by John Smith, who doesn't sound like a, sounds like a made-up name, we repeatedly hear how masks prevent the wearer from transmitting COVID-19 to others, but do not protect the wearer. Can you explain? And she says... And that's a very good way of explaining this. It's a rampant misunderstanding. Masks do work both ways, yet masks worn by sick people are far more effective at preventing the spread of the disease. Why? Say we have 100 people, one of whom is sick, and one mask is available. Who should wear the mask? Obviously the sick person. A mask worn by a sick person benefits the many, but a mask worn by a healthy person benefits only one. It's also obvious that the more people wear masks, the better for all. Again, why? We don't know who may be sick. I have this argument with my wife all the time. So I wear a mask and a face shield around the house, and she irritates her. She's like, you know, I don't have the virus. And I'm like, you don't know that. Louie could have the virus, you know? He's out there sniffing. You know what he's sniffing. The virus, you know, that's one of the ways the virus gets around without going into the disgusting details. So, you know, that's why this testing and tracing, I've I've thought for a long time, is, you know, overrated. Because if I test negative today, I could get it next in the next hour. So anyway, but also note that, you know, there's one of the Star Trek movies that talks about the good of the many must become before the good of the one, and that's kind of a Star Trek-y thing there. So that's another column I could write on that. Another, here's another sheet from the Glenn Close article. Glenn is is a, you know, no doubt very woke person, so this could be asked Mr. Woke Person in terms of what you wear... Uh, today's, today closes t-shirt reads, human-kind, be both. So be human and be kind. Well, I'm all too human, but I'm still working on the kind thing, you know? 
I used to be a lot kinder than I am now, I guess. As George Bush said, we need a kindler, gentler nation. Yeah, I'm a bitter old guy now. Um, disgruntled ex-employee type. So here's a Dilbert. I will read the panels to you, which is not a good way to make a living, by the way. So Dogbird is, you know, it's a dog issue, right? Dogbird says, I started doing telemedicine in my spare time. And Dilbert says, don't you need to be a doctor for that? And uh, Dogbird says, technically, yes, but I found a workaround. And Dilbert asks, which is? And Dogbird says, I tell people I'm a doctor. Now, the thought has occurred to me. Uh, I went through anger management counseling. So I had a psychologist. And the guy was a communist. He literally is a Harvard man. And he's a communist. Well, I got angry at him, so I dropped him. So the anger management, I guess, didn't work. And I didn't get mad at him because he was a communist. I was just like, you know what? To me, being a communist reflects a basic misunderstanding of human psychology. So how can you help me if you don't understand how the human psyche works? You know. Anyway. Um, but it has occurred to me that I could probably be a like a telemedicine psychologist because all the guy ever did was listen to me. And, you know, every once in a while he'd tell me, like, don't pick up any wooden nickels or look both ways before you cross the street. But all he, 90% of the time he just listened to me. And, you know, how do you feel about that? I, I mean, I could do that. Who, who needs a PhD? And I asked him one time, I said, you know what? You've given me some good advice, but... None of it's been like any kind of psychological Freudian, you know, whatever, Jungian. And he said, you know what, I went through the whole process of being a PhD in psychology, and, and he has taught psychology, and, you know, the guy is a smart guy. I mean, I was never the smartest guy in the room when I was in the room with him, except for the fact that he was a communist. I thought that was one edge I had on him, being a capitalist. But he said, you know... Eh, most of the theory they teach is useless. So I just, you know, the stuff that I advise people to do is just common sense that I picked up over the years. I'm like, oh, okay. So the credential is simply an excuse to be able to get paid for doing what you do, you know, by the insurance company. So therefore, you know, I may start out a little, uh, you know, you can't be a psychologist, but you could be a life coach. Theoretically, that's what my uh, household staff is for Anya, life coach, and she makes more than I do, which is my problem in life. So anyway, I'm going to clip that one out, and, but that was amusing, I thought at least, and maybe a business opportunity. But I wonder how much fraud you're getting in this telemedicine business. I think that's one reason why the insurance companies were reluctant to reimburse it, including Medicare, but now that's all passed. Oh, now, now here, let's get back to the, this is page one of the real estate section. I should have organized this stuff. But you know what? If we go to a subscription model, I may get this more organized. But right now, stream of consciousness will do. Uh, let's see here. So now there's a means test on that uh, rent more, the eviction moratorium. This is the Illinois law. It's a gubernatorial order. It runs through December 12th which isn't long. 
So I imagine he's going to have to keep extending that as long as he keeps shutting the state down. But they put that means test in. Before that, he could be a millionaire. It didn't matter. Typical, you know, this is the trouble with all these government programs. You know, they don't means test it. Like disability, they don't means test. Medicare, they don't means test. Uh, yeah, this, uh, this penthouse, if you get a chance, go online. It's Elite Street, co-op penthouse back on the market after 50 years. This is like Haley's Comet. It only comes on the market every 50 years. So, uh, 1500 North Lakeshore Drive. I'm surprised they give the address. 8,000 square footers. And it's got, I mean, you could have a family of gypsies live here. 24th and 25th floors. Uh, six and a half bathrooms, direct elevator access. I've seen places like this. And let me go see this just for last. 40 foot long walnut paneled gallery hall. Uh, 20 foot high ceilings. You know, it's really, we have high ceilings here. And what's, what's thinks about them. I mean, it's probably good for COVID, you know, because there's more air in the space. But, you know, if, if you've got to change the batteries on the ceiling or the, the fire alarms, you've got to use a ladder. <laughs> of course, people like this have people for that. I have people for that, but I had to do it myself anyway. It's got a library. That would be nice. Original bronze hardware, stone carvings, stone carvings, hand-carved doors. And a partial third level that contains a drawing room. Man, the outdoor spaces include a 3,000 square foot east facing manicured yard with a covered logia, logia, mature trees. Man, it's like your own little private park and a 2,000 square foot deck on the west and north sides of the building. Oh my God. 17 million. The only thing between me and that is 17 million dollars. A mere bag of shells, as Ralph Cramden would say. So I'll show that to the wife and tell her we just have to work the financing out. Now, here's a cute thing for the Bradford Exchange a little uh, peanuts Christmas tree. It's like that Charlie Brown Christmas Christmas tree with all these little ornaments of. Peanuts characters. I'd like that. So if any of you are uh, putting together, you know, there's plenty of sh- plenty of shopping days available till Christmas. So. That's a, that's the only thing I want for Christmas. Now here's something. Speaking of, remember I I foreshadowed this. Uh, turns out there's a thing called Substack, which is i got to look into this because I'm a board member of the Independent Writers of Chicago, iWalk.org. If you're looking for a writer, you can go to their website. But better, you should just call me because I need to make $17 million. Uh, Substack for the uninitiated is a platform for newsletters to which individuals subscribe and when they arrive and, and which then arrive via email. This guy's a writer. That's not very well written. They also live on the web at the Substack platform, initially used primarily for writers with other affiliations to send out information or auxiliary content to fans 
or in followers, but now they're trying to recruit prominent writers and, quote, journalists, unquote, like Glenn Greenwald, who is a, you know, well, we won't, we won't go into that. Uh, and some other people I never heard of. I have heard of Glenn Greenwald. Think uh, Edward Snowden. These prominent writers work under a subscription model. The writing they do, the writing they used to do for traditional media outlets is now behind a substack wall subscribed to by individuals. Many writers will do some mix of free and paid content, but they access everything by a given writer requires ponying up somewhere between five and ten bucks a month. So, you know, so let's divide 17 million by five to ten bucks a month. So I need a lot of subscribers if I do this. So I'll let you know, and, you know, when we do our Nugent Capital newsletter, maybe we'll make it free to our podcast subscribers, but charge everybody else. And I'm sure that that's the road to riches. Well, honestly not. So here's something that you could do in December if you're still, like, trying to get things done instead of resting on your laurels. But if you do want to rest on your laurels, of course, and make passive income, come to Nugent Capital, because we're uh, making that 10-10-10 deal, 10 months, 10%, like approximately $10,000, which is negotiable. And we also have the uh, Nugent Capital biotech thing going, uh, which we will more aggressively market in March. But with the 10-10-10 deal, you also get any upside from the Nugent Capital Biotech Fund. And we just had some upside. So that's good. You know, I, th- I think we ended up making like uh, 40%. Let's see, yeah, $50,000, 20000 Yeah, 40% return, man. So, you know, you'd have your 10 and then you'd have the, the 40. You'd double your money in 10 months. And no downside risk, by the way. So I can't find a better deal than that myself. I wish I could find a deal like that. But instead, I'm giving you a deal like that. Well, actually, we, you know, we'll, we, make the, uh, we make the 40, and we'll take a little cut out of your 40 just for the effort. You know, something for the effort. It's like my caddy days. How about a little something for the effort, as Bill Murray said in Caddyshack? So anyway, five ways to use the final month of 2020. And boy, I've got a lot of stuff to do this month. So number one, clean off your desk. Well, I don't have a desk. I actually do have a desk, but I can't use it because of COVID. So I have to work on my bed. I'm like you, Hefner. Uh, but it lets me work without a mask because I have an employee out there. Respond to your emails. If you're like most everyone else, you probably have a dozen or more emails you meant to respond to. I get a thousand a day. You would think I'm important, but I'm not. I just subscribe to a lot of newsletters because that's where I get my content for my content marketing business. I read a thousand emails a day so you don't have to. Update your contacts. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's definitely a good idea because people move around. And if you need any help with that, let me know because we do that. You know, we go through LinkedIn and create lists. Do a self-review. Okay, that would be not fun. <laughs> I'd give myself a very low rating. 
Map out 2021. Uh, create a calendar, tasks, ideas, suggested projects, a second calendar related to your career. So personal and professional, if you have a career these days. And so have a plan, in other words. What a novel concept. I have found that planning is one of those things that I don't find joy in, actually. I've got marketing plans, but I've been trying to get them for four years. Planning is hard. Uh, I used to be able to get it done for MMS, but I've had trouble lately. Back when I worked at MMS, it's my my last real full-time job. And then there's a cartoon that kind of goes with that, and the guy has two inboxes. One is, and one's, they're both stacked up, and basically it's a play on the old Vegas. What happens on Sims' desk stays on Sims' desk. So really they're both inboxes, I guess. Yeah, you know, you had to be there. Actually, it's hard to recreate cartoons in the theater of the mind, you know, because the, the visual is a big part of it. Okay, let's see. How are we doing on time? You know, one of the nice things about this platform is it keeps you limited. Okay, we got a we got a lot of half an hour left. So, you know, if you want to tune out, you can always drop at any time. But here's something I'm interested in from a number of perspectives. There's a robot that... Uh, basically uses high-frequency light, UV robots. They're made by a company that has a manufacturing plant in Chicago, which I guess how it got in the trip. So a study published in August by the Texas Biomedical Research Institute found that robot destroyed nearly 100% of the virus on surfaces in two minutes. Now, this is a big issue for hospitals these days, and this is a big issue for dental practices, I know, because it takes like 15 minutes to do a, you know, deep cleaning between patients, which cuts down your throughput and hurts your margins. And that's probably true across the board. So it's a company called Xenex, X-E-N-E-X, which is probably private. Uh, I haven't looked it up yet. 20 million in revenue last year for 160 robots, which they sold mostly to hospitals. This year, they expect to sell 900 in hotels, and this is a huge opportunity. Now, the machine costs like 125 grand. So, obviously, it seems to me that price could come down as they get larger volumes. And so, they rolled out a paid service in Texas for 300 an hour. So basically, you get the machine comes in, and then they're going to expand that. So, you know, for a dental office, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. You could never break even on that based on having an incremental appointment. But um, I'll bet you could do that cheaper. And there's a backlog. They have a manufacturer named Astronix, so I'm going to look and see if they're publicly traded. Anytime I see a production backlog, that's something I want to invest in. It's headquartered in Buffalo, and its business is commercial aviation, but they pivoted to this since there's no more commercially viable aviation for the moment. Got to look up Astronix. It uses a super bright xenon bulb 
light. That's incredible. So they're using it at Northwest Community Hospital. So I think that's something that may linger beyond. Yeah, Waukegan Factory turns out germ zapping robots for COVID-19, if you want to look up that article yourself. That's a... That merits investigation. And I'm actually working with a company now called Donegan Dental Sciences, and they've invented a uh, a device that reduces aerosol in dental practice by 98%. And it only costs 250 bucks. So if you know any dentists who are looking, uh, you know, even if you know any dentist, period, you might want to hook me up with them because this is a great solution to the problem. But the other part of the problem is that, uh, you know, the cleaning between patients. So I'm thinking maybe Donegan Dental may want to look at the Xenon bulb UV technology because they can do it cheaper, I bet. Uh, Bill Donegan DDS is the founder, inventor, and an Evan Scholar. So, you know, we're very resourceful people. Now, they've been wondering about commercial property. <laughs> You know, he would would not have to be a genius to figure this out. Even I've been able to figure this out. Chicago area commercial property sales, uh, while still at almost nine billion through October of this year, are down thirty seven percent, according to Real Capital Analytics. Nationally, commercial sales down thirty, almost forty percent. So it's actually slightly better here, but still horrible. Uh, COVID has frozen the activity, according to Jim Costello, Senior Vice President at Real Capital Analytics. Nobody's traveling, so you can't go see properties. No one knows, uh, you know, what's going to happen in terms of how bad it's going to be. Cook County, people are concerned about property tax increases, and rightly so. So a complicated project with a lot of challenges. The only way I'm going to do it right now is at a really low price. And then, of course, the bid-ask spread so wide, nobody's going to do that deal unless they're forced to. So again, you know, my partner's looking at foreclosures and shorts in May. I'm on the other side of that trade because I think the powers that be, especially, you know, especially if Georgia goes blue, then, you know, they're not going to let these foreclosures happen. They're going to pump federal money into it. And Janet Yellen, the Treasury, combined with Jerome Powell, that the, the Fed and the Feds are all going to be on the side of cushioning the blow, as is Joe, as would be the uh, House, obviously, but, but but the Senate as well if, they, if there's a blue sweep in Georgia. So that January 5th is a key date. And you're not going to know until it's too late to sell. So it'll be interesting to see toward the end of the year if you get big tax sales to lock in capital gains at the lower rates. I was really, really, really sure that was going to happen. I'm less sure now. And my financial guy told me to stay the course, so I did. Uh, Clarence Page wrote a good column. There's a... uh, The what's interesting is that the belief in the system working is a complete function of the color, your political color, whether you're red or blue. Red voters think 
uh, 52% of Republicans believe Trump won, and 68% were concerned that rigged vote counting may have favored Biden. However, the Democrats are now uh, 90% uh, behind the idea that the election was free or fair. So if you win, you think it was fair. If you lose, you think it was rigged. It's like uh, Citizen Kane where there's two two editions, you know. One version is that Kane wins. The other one is fraud at polls. So nothing new about that. So what we have here, according to the Rand Corporation, this is in, 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 in the dental theme that we kind of developed inadvertently here, truth decay which is invented by the Rand Corporation. And they're they're the smartest guys in the room. Truth decay is, you know, a little play on tooth decay. Uh, much has been said about alternative reality, alternative facts, uh, blamed on social networks and other new media, but we all know uh, communism was an alternative reality with alternative facts. Nazism, same thing. You know, there was no internet then. No alternative media then. People believe what they want to believe, you know, whether, uh, and then they look for facts to reinforce it. As uh, he points out, these things have long preceded the rise of Trump and will be with us long afterward. As Rand notes, we're hardwired to reject information that contradicts our beliefs. Uh, they refer to yellow journalism. And the big lie, which of course was a fascist, uh, you know, propaganda technique. But we we live with all sorts of big lies on both sides of the fence. You know, with this whole BLM thing, it's like, okay, George Floyd, unfortunately, you know, was a victim of, and I think an inadvertent manslaughter. So now, you know, the fixes for that have in my mind, nothing to do with correcting that problem. But that's conventional wisdom. So there's a good letter to the editor, Voice of the People, Vox Populi in Latin, by someone named Andrew Andrew Pinelli, who lives in Homer Glen, and yet is seemingly quite progressive. So, you know, he may be one of those folks who moved out of the city. So he is an environmentalist type and is advocating a carbon tax, which apparently, according to him, there's bipartisan legislation, which means one Republican probably is in favor of it. The Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. So the idea is that you put a carbon tax on on fossil fuel producers and their emissions, and then return that to every household. Uh, so it becomes a you know financially neutral thing. But I bet, you know, you don't get what you paid, right? So if you paid a million dollars in carbon tax, it's not like they give that back to you. They divvy it up by 330 million, and you get one 330 millionth of the million, which is a rounding error. But, you know, if that's redistribution, that's kind of a gentle redistribution. And if it reduces global warming, you know, fine by me. I mean, I don't use a whole lot of carbon, so I don't really care, personally. 
I don't, I don't think that's the worst idea in the world, honestly. And I know people with fairly, a fairly sound mind who agree. Uh, so there's a big article here about the Supreme Court census case. Now, you know, when I worked for the Census Bureau, we, we kind of jokingly called it the Senseless Bureau. But apparently the case argues that uh, undocumented illegal immigrants, whatever you want to call them, should be excluded from the uh, enumeration. But I know for a fact that we did not ask that question. They wanted to ask that question on the census form, but they couldn't. So from a data standpoint, how would you do that? I don't know, and it doesn't address it. Now, there's no doubt statistics, there are statistics about how many undocumented, illegal uh, immigrants there are in the country and by state, but I I don't know how they come up with that number. You know, because if you take a look at that data in the census, you don't even have names necessarily. You know, you have addresses, you have a number of people, but... And and we were told that if somebody said their name was Joe Blow, we write it down. You know, the form, you can write whatever name on it you want, or no name at all, really. So you can't even do a good match against a, a list of citizens if there is such a thing. I don't know that there is such a thing. So the data part of this is really messy. I don't think it could be done with any degree of precision at least. And they say that if, by the administration's estimate, <laughs> California could lose two to three house seats and they found anomalies in the data, so the, the game here will be, by law, they're supposed to, I don't know what the language is, but basically provide the tally to the, uh, the administration by the end of the year. Well, they're just going to slow walk it. And then they'll provide it under Biden, and that'll be the end of that. I can't imagine that the Supreme Court would rule in favor of that. Just based on the facts, I don't think it's feasible to do it. But we'll see what happens, as Trump says. I mean, I I may be missing something, but I'm a data guy, and I was deeply involved with the enumeration as a census employee. I do not see how they could administer that. So here's about this Georgia election. Biden defeated Trump in Georgia by fewer than 13,000 votes out of more than 5 million. But Purdue, who's the Republican incumbent, led Ossoff, his challenger, by 100,000 votes, just short of the outright majority. Warnock led Loeffler. Warnock is the challenger and Loeffler's the incumbent. Warnock led Loeffler in a separate special election. Each party has a pool of potential voters of about 2.5 million. It's just a matter of turnout, basically. Republicans are doing the door-to-door thing in defiance of the virus. Democrats are, you know, having car rallies and not going door-to-door because of COVID. So that may be 
you know, fortune may favor the bold in that. But we'll see what happens. I haven't seen polls, but all the Republicans need to do is win one. Now, here's some virus news. The U.K. is about to become the first Western country to approve a COVID vaccine. Approval within days. BioNTech. Injections start December 7th, a day of infamy, Pearl Harbor Day. By the way, nobody mentioned him. I, I didn't see anything about the anniversary of Kennedy's assassination on November 22nd. Another day that will live in infamy. Uh, UK has ordered 40 million doses, 58,000 dead in, in Britain. They're number five behind U.S., Brazil, India, and Mexico. And, of course, that's according to official statistics. I don't believe anything out of Russia or China. Vaccines have to be authorized by the European Medicines Agency until the end of Brexit, which is on December 31st. However, UK's Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency can temporarily authorize products if there is an urgent public need, and there surely is. Data has already been submitted by BioNTech to the FDA. Now, when they, when those approvals go through, how's the stock going to react? I don't know. Uh, that should all be baked, but you never know. I mean, you got a lot of Robin Hood folks who are driving the marginal pricing of the stock. So it could go up more. We just rolled up our, uh, our short puts in December by 5 or 10 bucks. So, in other words, we're insuring the price of the stock at a higher level because Biantech went up. I think it's trading on that. They're both trading about the same, like 110. So, we're rolling our puts up, which means we get more premium and make more money, more money, more money, which is the whole idea of this Alpha's next thing. Now, here's another dental theme. There's an article, and they don't come right out and say this, but this whole cleaning thing, the surface transmission, is probably overkill. And some people refer to it as hygiene theater. Uh, it's like virtue signaling for virology, you know. Uh, Emmanuel Goldman, professor of microbiology at Rutgers, New, New Jersey Medical School, said that reassurance could create a false sense of safety and detract from other measures that matter more. In other words, the mask and hand washing doesn't matter if you touch surfaces as long as you wash your hands before you touch your face or use the uh, sanitizer. So I think this whole thing in dental practices and hospitals about the, the deep cleaning is probably an overreaction, but if you use that UV light, you know, there's lots of other stuff, hopefully like MRSA, that you can kill. I mean, MRSA is really a horrible danger. Um, Alex Smith, quarterback for, I forget what team now, but he was out for two years. They're going to have to cut his leg off because of, of an infection he got after his leg got screwed up. He had 17 operations, and if you have that many operations, you're probably going to get MRSA in a hospital. So if these machines can kill MRSA, I mean, you know, have MRSA on us. That is an enduring value. And this is not obviously the first or the last virus that's going to come out of our, 
our friends in the Middle Kingdom, you know. So, and elsewhere. Clorox sales are up 30%. You still can't get Lysol, I guess. So, those are two other virus plays. I don't know how long they're going to last, but probably baked in. Here's the, the killer quote. As long as you don't touch your face when you're unpacking those groceries and wash your hands afterward and are careful, I think that may be sufficient. Um, that's from the CDC. CDC hasn't come out of this thing without some COVID damage, but I think they're right about that. Yeah, let's see. Oh, boy, we only got eight minutes. We got to sprint through the rest. Uh, there's a thing in here, article by Ibu Patel, who is of Indian extraction and is an Ismaili Muslim. Ismaili? I don't know what that means, but he's from India. So, uh, he points out that Joe Biden is only the second Catholic to be elected. I mean, nobody talked about that at all. It used to be, when Jack Kennedy got elected, that was a big deal. Uh, he talks about all the evils that have been perpetrated against Catholics, uh, including by the Know Nothing Party, which is the QAnon of its era, according to him. Uh, Al Smith ran for president, and the Ku Klux Klan was all over him. You know, so Catholic lives matter too, right? But... We don't even talk about that now. It, the, in the, the Supreme Court is like the College of Cardinals. Six Catholics out of nine justices, including Amy Coney Barrett, who was a domer. Uh, 30% of Congress is Catholic. Newt Gingrich is converting to Catholicism. Hopefully that will work better for him than his previous religion. This is a guy who was cheating on his wife while she's in the hospital with cancer. And... Biden loves to end his speeches by telling the story how his grandfather would send him off to school every day by saying, keep the faith, Joey. And his grandmother would add, no, spread it. So, I mean, Catholics, modern Catholics are hardly papists, you know. So, uh, so that's, so he's a domer too, this guy, actually, I think. At least his, his dad got an MBA from Notre Dame. And he's an author. He does a little Trump bashing while he's at it and talks about Trump being the cause of anti-Semitism, even though, like, his main guy and his son-in-law is Jewish, and Roy Cohn was his lawyer, who's Jewish. So, and it doesn't matter. Let's not, let's not let the facts get in the way of a good narrative. Now, here's this Iranian hit. Uh, apparently, the Isra- speaking of Semites, apparently the Israelis whacked the guy who was in charge of uh, <laughs> the Iranian nuclear program. Now, his wife says uh, he wanted to get martyred and his wish came true. So, what's the beef, right? Now, that could get a little hairy here. I don't know what the Iranians could actually do about it, and, you know, Joe will come in and make nice, probably, but, uh, that guy's just as dead one way or the other. Uh, here's an editorial about another brilliant idea uh, that Illinois has to continue the death spiral. 
which sounds like a great idea. It's a, it's a transaction tax on financial stuff. So they tried this in Jersey, you know, and that's where the NASDAQ and NYSE uh, servers are located because previously they couldn't afford to do it in New York. They may have plenty of cheap space available now. And uh, so they're tr in New Jersey, they, they're trying to whack them with a, a transaction tax. So guess what? All the, all the markets are going to move their servers to Texas. Now that gets to this high-frequency trading thing, uh, which Michael Lewis wrote a great book about. can't remember the name. But you used to hear a lot about this high-frequency trading. People were paying millions of dollars to get faster uh, transactions to front-run for programmatic. Uh, I haven't heard much about that lately. But the idea was that it got down to like electrical engineering and physics. So you literally had to locate your servers closer to wherever the New York Stock Exchange was processing transactions in the NASDAQ. So what ended up happening was guys would run their trades right out of, you know, like a block next to the servers for the NASDAQ in, in Jersey. So I guess the whole... That whole stack would just move. So I haven't heard much about high frequency lately, though. So the Dallas Morning News ran an article. The imperative elsewhere is to pay for an ever-expanding government that promises to carry us from cradle to grave so long as it can tax us from womb to tomb. Here in Texas, we are lucky enough to still be able to look on this mode of governance with a mix of detached concern and pleasant recognition that other states' folly will be to our benefit. The perfect word for that is schadenfreude, which is a German word meaning taking joy at the misery of others. And unfortunately, a lot of states are experiencing that at our expense because Illinois is thinking about doing the same stupid thing. And these guys will walk. I mean, it's like $10 billion a year at stake, you know? So anyway, that's it. We got through the whole mess, uh, the whole stack of tear sheets from the physical Tribune that I get on Sunday, which I read so you don't have to. And uh, so with that, I will sign off. Live long, prosper, stay safe. The vaccine is coming. And if you can just stay alive until you can get that shot, you'll be good listeners. You know, your lifetime value will increase. And your lifetime will increase. So that's a win-win. Have a good Sunday and find something else to do other than watch the Bears get annihilated by the pack tonight. I have to watch that so you don't have to. So I'll, I'll report on it on Monday to spare you the agony. Bye-bye.